My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast. One of our Greenfield family values is unconditional love and radical transparency. And for me, like those are two keys for conflict resolution, meaning you must feel as though you are in a safe place and there is this written or unwritten rule that you can be radically transparent and not judged harshly for that. And B, everything gets covered in unconditional love, meaning there is no sin or shortcoming or argument too great that you cannot simply at the end of it say, you know what, let's put this behind us. I love you. This isn't even worth fighting over. I'm sorry for anything I did. And then usually the other person winds up saying, I'm sorry for anything I did. And Mm -hmm. it seems like almost every conflict we have winds up with some semblance of us not 100% sure like who was right, who was wrong, or or not really caring so much about counting that as much as saying, hey, our relationship, our children, us, what God has called us to, it's all way more important than this silly thing that we happen to be fighting over. I love you, let's forget about this and move on. Fitness, nutrition, biohacking, longevity, life optimization, spirituality, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the Ben Greenfield Life Show. Are you ready to hack your life? Let's do this. If you're in your 30s or anywhere beyond, you got to start eliminating senescent cells in your body. These are the so-called zombie cells that make you feel old before it's time to feel old. They linger in your body after their useful function, hence their name zombie cells, wasting energy and precious nutrition and leading to so many middle-aged symptoms like low energy, brain fog, slow workout recovery, and joint discomfort. But luckily, you can nuke these senescent cells. There are a bunch of different newly discovered plant-derived ingredients that when expertly combined can help to reduce senescent cells And the folks at Neurohacker have cracked the code on putting them all together into a fantastic product called Qualia Senolytic. Qualia Senolytic. Now, this could be one of the biggest aging breakthroughs of the decade based on what we know about senescent cells. It could take years off how old you feel in just months. And you only use it twice a month. Six capsules twice a month. Super simple. I'm actually on my cycle right now. I just took six this morning. I'll take six tomorrow morning. Then I set it and forget it for a month nuking my senescent cells and feeling younger in the process. So if you're sick of feeling old before your time, try, try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, S-E-N-O, neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee, and that code Ben Seno will give you an additional 15% off at neurohacker.com forward slash Ben Seno. Hey, you want to spice things up in the bedroom and boost? your sexual performance and do it naturally without nasty prescription drugs. Yeah, check out this stuff, Joy Mode. It's a powder. You can put it in water or if you're like me and you're a savage, you can dry powder into your mouth. Contains clinically supported doses of L-citrulline, arginine, yohimbine, and vitamin C. So after taking this stuff called their Sexual Performance Booster, again, by Joy Mode, your blood levels of arginine and yohimbine increase and that directly promotes nitric oxide production, penile tissue relaxation, and increased drive. Well, the antioxidant action of vitamin C protects the nitric oxide from oxidative degradation, which then enhances the blood flow promoting activity of the nitric oxide. They thought of everything. They're super smart over at Joy Mode, and collectively, these effects enhance sex drive and blood flow naturally to the penis or to the clitoris. My wife takes it too. 
It's amazing. You get better orgasms, better blood flow. You can kiss nasty prescription medications goodbye and have natural guilt-free energy for boosting your sexual performance. You can get 20% off your first order from Joy Mode. How? Go to usejoymode.com slash greenfield. That's usejoymode.com slash greenfield. J-O-Y. Use joymode.com slash greenfield. I'll give you 20% off your first order. Hey, imagine if you could harness quantum energy, which is a nonlinear powerhouse of potential just waiting to be unlocked. And you could blast yourself, your home, your pet, your phone, your business location, anything with this quantum energy. Well, the folks at a company called Quantum Upgrade have figured out how to do this. And they've actually done studies and shown it increases ATP production by an impressive 20 to 25% in human cells. They've done other randomized double-blind studies showing an improvement in red and white blood cells and even a reversal of stages one and two of blood clotting in just a few minutes of exposure to their quantum energy. There's a book by a guy named David Hawkins called Healing and Recovery that goes into what are called high consciousness fields, fields of love and peace and joy. And what the quantum technology is doing is it's taking those same frequencies and then bombarding your address or you or whatever you feed into their online system with that same technology. I realize this is very unique. I realize it's invisible. I realize it's a little bit weird, but I do it. I love it. It's just kind of cool. No one have the peace of mind that I'm getting quantum energy blasts no matter where I'm at in the world and my whole family and my dogs and the chickens and goats and everything here at the Greenfield House get blasted every day with quantum energy from Quantum Upgrade. You get a 15-day free trial if you just want to see what it feels like and if it works for you. Go to quantumupgrade.io and use code BEN15. That's quantumupgrade.io and use code BEN15. Well, folks... This should be an interesting episode. Say hello, Jessa. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hello, Jessa. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, it, I, I occasionally, just to, just to set a scene here for you who are listening in, no video for today's podcast because my wife and I are actually- I look a, like crap. Yeah, we're on a walk right now and she looks like crap, apparently. <laughs> uh, we have increasingly been- getting some requests from people who want to hear a little bit about Jessa. Jessa, Jessa, Jessa. It's all about Jessa. <laughs> people just won't shut up about Jessa. That is but, weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, Jessa and I are, uh, we're actually down at a retreat uh, that we've been helping teach at in Napa Valley called mm. Couples Collective, where a bunch of couples come together and we taught a workshop on legacy and education and our spiritual practices, you know, how to have a healthy body, healthy mind, healthy mm. spirit, healthy marriage, healthy family. By the way, we're walking right in the middle of the road. Should we move over? We'll move over. Just so you guys don't have to hear our horrific screams as we're uh, struck by a golf cart here in <laughs> Napa Valley. Um, so it any, is possible here, it, too. It is highly possible. <laughs> it's basically a glorified retirement community I think we're in. Yes. So anyways, we, we're, uh, we're here at this retreat, and it's a Sunday afternoon. We thought, well, gosh, we should, we should just go ahead and answer some of these questions that have come in from Twitter and Instagram. And I guess it's X, not Twitter now never people, been, people never was on it never been on it people have not <laughs> tweeted us questions but they've xed us questions and <laughs> facebook and uh and the like so anyways we figured we'd just hop on the horn and reply to some of your burning questions for jess and i as a couple as a couple although some questions are 
distinctly oriented towards you, Jess. I know. So, so here we go. I figured we'd kick things off with a little bit of, I don't know, I suppose, humor and uh, a common thread that seemed to pop up in some of the questions. So you ready for this, babe? Right, I'm ready. Okay, so we got questions about, drum roll please, hold on, let me make sure I look at myself and that I look okay for answering this question, <laughs> asking this question. Uh, okay, narcissism. Oh narcissism, EAA Insights asked, Jessa, what's the most narcissistic thing Ben has done? And Jeffrey asked, what makes you two any more knowledgeable than the average couple? Uh, and specifically, how does your wife handle all the narcissism? Oh my gosh. Jessa, do you, do you know what narcissism is? I do. I know what narcissism is, and I hate this question. Isn't it like... <laughs> I, I actually well, well, woke how, up hating this question. What, what, how, how would you define narcissism? Um, somebody who largely cannot see themselves ever being wrong and in so doing, turning things on others to twist things to make things go oh, their way. We have totally different definitions what of narcissism. What do you think a narcissism is? So I've always thought narcissism <laughs> was uh, an excessive interest in or admiration of one's physical appearance. Oh. Like obsession with one's I think it can be self. both. Like I think that guy, can be definitely play into it. Was but it I, a guy narcissist who stood and stared at himself in the pool at his own reflection? I don't think that was him. And eventually fell in and died or I know something which like one. That. It's a Greek tragedy. I know what you're oh, talking no, about. I've bastardized some Greek <laughs> tragedy. But anyways, and you defined it as what again? It's uh, someone who sees themselves as correct or right and has like this incapability of seeing themselves as wrong. Therefore, they end up twisting a lot of things that people say on them to make them be right all the time. Oh, my definition of narcissism is definitely more correct than yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now Touché. I want to know what it really is. <laughs> all right. So, um, you know, I'd love to hear your take on this. And admittedly, I do know I am a fitness influencer. Yeah. I take my shirt off on the Instagrams yes. and flex. Mm -hmm. I have been a bodybuilder. Yeah. I definitely spent a lot of time in spandex as an Ironman triathlete. Yeah. I wake up some days and look at my week and know that I have some kind of a photo shoot where I got to have my shirt off. Mm -hmm. And so I will work out or like pay attention to how I eat. Sure. Um, but I don't know if that makes me a narcissist. So how do you deal with all my narcissism? <laughs> I don't, I don't think you're a narcissist. <laughs> I don't. I think you know that you're attractive, that you're a good looking person. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think I'm a ugly either. So does that make me a narcissist? I'm, I don't know. Um, I don't think you're a narcissist. I think you've struggled with tendencies of that in the past. And, um, by the grace of God, you no longer struggle with that as intensely as you used to. Um, but I don't sit here and dwell upon the things that I think you've done that are narcissistic because I mm. don't believe in dwelling in the past. I believe looking to the future and looking in hope. Well, that's really good to hear. Do you, do you, want, <laughs> do you want to hear my take on this? Yes, I do. Because it's for years and years now, I will get comments like, hey, enough already with the shirtless oh, yeah, photos and the duck lip selfies <laughs> and you know, the staring pensively off into space with the blue steel. Yes. And you're going to laugh at this, possibly, whether okay. you're listening or whether you're my <laughs> wife. But go and talk to my mom. Oh. From the time I was a boy, from the time I was a baby, my parents 
couldn't even keep a diaper on me. <laughs> I have rarely been clothed. I have some kind of rare Flintstone gene, I suppose, but they used to clothespin Everything. with like a dozen clothespin, my diaper, my onesie, everything on me. They'd come into the room two hours later and I would be buck naked, just laying there in my crib. As a boy, I just ran all over the neighborhood in nothing but my shorty shorts. Just never really cared for a lot of breeze. the concept of clothing. I still hate shopping for clothes and really, you know, if, if I wasn't married to you, Jess, I'd probably be even more naked most of the time. And furthermore, if you look at every single picture of me from the time I was a tiny baby up until now, most of them are indeed some version of duck lips or blue steel. And unfortunately, there is a lot of flexing in, in some of your older pictures. There is a lot of flexing, but <laughs> but again, like I was a bodybuilder, <laughs> and I do fall into the category of someone who is kind of sort of paid to flex on social media sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. so I think, that, like, to me, I seem to have this built-in genetic uh, dislike for wearing clothing in general some facial configuration that just automatically <laughs> goes duck lips or blue steel when Maybe someone takes a picture of me. <laughs> and finally, yeah, I'm in fitness, so I flex sometimes to display a workout well, or an exercise or, you know, or some biohacking muscle can gaining I, can supplements. Can I uh, insert something here? <laughs> I'm just going to. I'm not going to No, <laughs> I'm right. You're right. We've already established whatever I say is right. Um, like... I am a background person, and it's probably largely why many people have not heard a lot of podcasts from me and don't hear a lot from me. And so anybody who, like, has to be in front of the camera, like, you're such as yourself, it makes me a little uncomfortable. Like, because I personally just don't understand it. Like, I can't wrap my head around doing that or needing to do that because I am largely afraid of it <laughs> to some extent. Yeah. So... Which I mean, is that could be other people too. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because for me, I've always loved theater, being on stage, doing goofy little videos with me and my brothers, producing <laughs> things that people would watch or to listen to, uh, <laughs> creating art not for the sake of art itself, but so that I could hang it at the fair or in an art competition. Mm -hmm. I've kind of always really liked public-facing displays of skill or persona or entertainment or education or the like. Again, like I like the stage, but I don't think that makes me a narcissist. Gosh, darn it. I'm right about that. <laughs> and I prefer not to be seen <laughs> most I, of the time. <laughs> yes. And look, we both do clay masks. Yeah. We both do, you know, eye moisturizer to get rid of bags under the eyes. We both work out. We both yep. take care of our skin. I don't know about you, but sometimes I even pay attention to the clothing I'm wearing when we're on vacation or in a hot locale. So I think I'm not I getting, actually pay attention so not to that more than you do. Asymmetrical tan <laughs> line. <laughs> I don't care about that. <laughs> but I don't think it's narcissistic. So... Uh, anything else you want to say when people say, what's the most narcissistic thing Ben has ever done or how do you deal with all my narcissism? I, like I said, it's not something that I sit and dwell on a lot. So I, I, I honestly don't even have an example. I'm sure everyone's like shocked by that. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe I don't know. I just don't think about it. Well, it used to rub you the wrong way when I would do uh, cheeky shots on Instagram. Oh yeah, with my I was butt. just like, I, well, basically, I was of the opinion I had to deal with all my girlfriends being like, yeah, I had to breeze through the Instagram because Ben's backside was, yeah. you know, and I'm like, oh, that's do, okay. Not do, everybody uh, wants to see your bare body. You know, when I got into that, when I would do like butt shots and talk about a butt workout was <laughs> I used to be, I used to hang out a lot with one of my good buddies. Who's a real personality on Instagram named Hunter McIntyre. And he used to do butt shots. And then I kind of got into like, Oh, you know what? He's getting a lot of traction on his butt shots. I should do a few butt shots. Yeah. Well, but it's not for everyone and not everybody wants to see it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you asked for it. So there you go. Um, all right. So narcissism, um, Pipe in on the show notes if you want to, which are going to be at bengreenfieldlife.com slash benjessa2023. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash benjessa2023. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to deny the narcissism. All right, so shall we get into some more serious topics here? All right. How do you overcome major differences with each other and still stay connected and by the way, just in case this is the first time anyone has tuned in, Jess and I have known each other for 39 years, a very have long time. been married for almost 21 years. And I would say we're, we feel like we're pretty emotionally, spiritually, and physically connected, intertwined, and you know, a strong married mm-hmm. couple, I suppose, knock on wood. Yep. By God's grace. By, by God's yeah. grace, exactly. So Not how do we merit. deal with conflict, <laughs> basically is the question. How do we overcome major differences or conflict? Well, it's really funny because we just, I, we had something come up a couple of weeks ago and it was probably the most explosive I've probably ever been in my life. Was it that <laughs> argument when I was right? No, oh. <laughs> I think you actually ended up saying you're right <laughs> to me <laughs> or right. you so, were so able how, to see. So in your words, how do we deal with it? How do we deal with conflict? Okay. Well, I have my own personal style and you have your personal style. I grew up in a household where I never saw my parents argue. We knew they argued. We just never saw it. Yeah. So I never had it. Behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. I never had it displayed to me in a positive way. I never had it displayed to me in a negative way. I just knew that things got resolved and I have no idea how they got resolved. You know? Um, So for me, largely, and I would say most of my siblings as well, are avoiders. Avoiders. (laughs) Yes. Do you mean like the attachment versus avoidant personality style where, cause I feel like I was raised needing verification and approval. So maybe I'm a narcissist, no. but it, but for me, it's like, I'm, I'm the, I'm the part of our relationship. The spouse who's always asking, Hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? And that makes me what's wrong. You. Are you all right? <laughs> you're like, what's wrong with me is you're asking me what's wrong with me. Exactly. Which is making yeah. me mad. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyways, back to the attachment style. But no, it's not an attachment style. It's an arguing. I feel like it's a way of arguing or not arguing. And it's conflict makes me so uncomfortable that I would rather never have to deal with it. And so Mm. when we do get into a disagreement or an argument or whatever you want to call it, a lot of times I will just go pretty silent. And I Mm. think you've experienced this where, and because I'm also very fearful of my words. I'm fearful of hurting somebody or, or saying something wrong or having to, or saying something that I might have to apologize for later. So I'm, I get pretty quiet 
Um, and then... Which drives me nuts, by yeah. the way, because all I want is for the conflict to be resolved. I mean, I know there's like that Bible verse that says, never let the sun go down on your anger. I don't think that's meant to be taken literally. I, I think what it actually means is just like, don't be angry for a long period of time without trying yeah. to set things right. Yet, I don't like going to bed or even just like going through a day feeling like there's something between us. Right. And then there's me who needs... Um, I'm also a processor. I'm like, I need to understand what my feelings are because in the heat of the moment, I don't think I have a real understanding of what we're arguing about or if I'm actually right or any of those things. And mm -hmm. so, or even if it matters if I'm right, or maybe we just need to come together, you know? Um, actually, I think that's generally it. Most of the time I always tell my boys, it's not about being right. It's about making things right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, that's a really powerful statement. It's not about being right. It's about making things right. Yeah. And I think that when you step back and look at what we call our Greenfield family constitution, meaning we have one living document that has our Greenfield family Thanksgiving and Christmas traditions, you know, our, what we do in the morning for our morning family huddle and family devotional to our family dinner time habits and dinner time routines to the pieces of the Bible that we memorize to the times that our sons have their rite of passage into adolescence and rite of passage into adulthood to how the family crest works to the family bank and the contact details for everyone who runs the you know family wealth management to how we put together our family trust. It's all in there, but part of the mission statement is basically that we, one of our Greenfield family values is unconditional love and radical transparency. And for me, like those are two keys for conflict resolution, meaning you must feel as though you are in a safe place and there is this written or unwritten rule that you can be radically transparent and not judged harshly for that. And B, everything gets covered in unconditional love, meaning there is no uh, sin or shortcoming or argument too great that you cannot simply at the end of it say, you know what, let's put this behind us. I love you. This isn't even worth fighting over. I'm sorry for anything I did. And then usually the other person winds up saying, I'm sorry for anything I did. Yeah. And it's basically this idea of covering. It's like as, put your swords down. Yeah. As <laughs> first, first Corinthians that. 13 in the Bible says, love covers all, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And it, it really, for me, comes down to with your spouse having Again, a written or unwritten rule of radical honesty and radical transparency, no matter what, a no judgment zone where you can say anything that's on your mind and know it's not going to be lorded over you or held over you, mm -hmm. paired with the idea that at the end of the day, if you really love someone and you cover everything with just a phrase like, I love you, or I love you too much for this to come between us, let's put it behind us, this isn't worth it. Mm -hmm. It seems like almost every conflict we have winds up yeah. with some semblance of us not a hundred percent sure like who is right who is wrong or, mm -hmm. or or not really caring so much about counting that as much as saying hey our relationship our children us what god has called us to it's all way more important than this silly thing that we happen to be fighting over i love you let's forget about this and move on yeah and then i one more thing that i feel like ah uh, i think is come up like especially like recently is if you're going to ask a question like how are you or are you okay you have to be willing to receive an answer that you may not like 
that might yes yes and i just yes. sometimes i'm people, not okay because you left your underwear on the floor for the 20th yeah, time you okay? have to there. be okay with yeah getting i mean if you're gonna ask the question <laughs> just be <Yeah>. prepared <laughs> yeah yeah and understand not an unleashing the, but just being like yeah. okay please accept what i just said and don't turn it on me or you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. This came up actually in one of the sessions this week yes. was some people are raised, like I was talking about earlier, in a situation in which they must earn love or at least feel as though they must earn love from their parents by constantly seeking approval. And that's an attachment style personality in which someone's constantly wanting to ask, hey, do I look okay? Are you okay? How do you feel? Uh, what's wrong with you, etc." Whereas the avoidant personality is like, hey, I'm independent. I'm on my own. Leave me alone. I've got this figured out. Please quit asking me if I'm okay. <laughs> and because there's a yin and yang opposites attract type mm -hmm. of magnetic arrangement of the universe in many, many cases, mm -hmm. an avoidant spouse is married to an attachment spouse. And unless you're aware of that and you're able to identify, hey, I'm asking this person if they're okay, because frankly, I'm seeking approval for something or I'm not listening to my spouse say, am I okay or understanding their concern and their need to be more of a people pleaser than I am and I'm just avoiding them and that's rubbing them the wrong way. But if you're aware of that, I think that's really the key step because then you can identify it and nip it in the bud. It is. And, and it's, I mean, we've, we've had bad communication styles and bad argument styles and all of that. And I'm like, I feel like this, it's interesting because the more you're aware of it, but the more that you exercise it too, the better that you get at it. And I'm not saying being arguing all the time, but I'm just saying, don't be afraid of the moments when they do come up. Yeah. Um, because it is an opportunity to exercise your muscle. Just saying, yeah, it's, it's an opportunity. So I've actually been grateful, especially the last year of like just being able to, to have a discussion, an argument, a heated discussion without getting too hung up on my opinion and being able to be flexible with you and come to a nice solution. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't of, be able to do that if I didn't know how to, if I hadn't, if I don't exercise it. And kind of related to this, Brisk asks, what emotional regulation techniques do you employ in the moment to avoid escalation of conflict? And I think that one really resonates with me because I'm not an angry guy. At least I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Um, <laughs> I don't tend I've to be a guy. I've seen you get heated. Well, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. I am not the kind of guy who's like punching walls, no. like steam coming out the ears, like that cartoon where you see the face get red and the sound of the tea kettle and the steam <laughs> is pouring out of the lobes. Like, however, and I think, you know, stereotyping a bit here, uh, men tend to, just based on testosterone alone, uh, err towards anger and heated, passionate emotions that one would identify as anger mm -hmm. during a conflict. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes women tend to be very good at verbal abuse, bitterness, biting comments, and sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Men tend to be more based on strength, anger, and rage, right? And those are just the way that painting with a broad brush, yeah. a lot of men and women are wired up. Ever so occasionally, and Jess, you know this, like you'll see my pupils dilate and I'll start, you can see this, the tea kettle noises start to, yeah. start to come out. Let's go this way. And, uh, and, and I will actually 
Actually, hold on. Let's go this way. Sorry, you guys, we're navigating as we're talking. We don't really know where we're at right now. We're in some random neighborhood in Napa Valley. So anyways, I have found myself in the past doing everything from cathartic rushing out into the gym and like hopping on the airdyne and hammering away on the bike to somehow channel that rage to punching something to slamming a door not punching you but just like no. <laughs> punching something slamming a door to burying my face in a pillow and screaming and trust me none of that seems to work for me as well as what i have found to be the ultimate solution I go outside, I open the door, I start walking, and I pour my heart out to God, and I pray. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know, God, I don't understand why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Yeah. I don't understand why she can't freaking be right and understand what I'm saying. God, like, I just need your help. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm going to say when I go back and talk to her. But for me, I have settled, finally, <laughs> after more than 40 years of yeah. life, the strategy of praying while walking, praying while moving. Because when you're angry, it does help to move. It does. Praying while moving for me is the number one key for emotional management during conflict resolution. Yes, that means walking away from an argument that you may want to finish, but I think it's better to walk away from an argument, walk, pray, get cooled down, get guidance from you know, higher power, God, and then come back and engage. So that's how I do it. I would say I'm 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 pretty similar, um, and I'm just gonna put this in here because like people who do get explosive and yell or what or you know just lose it, you lose credibility when that happens, mm. and I mean you just look like a loose cannon, and and that's my been my perception when that has happened in the past with you is I'm like wow he's losing it and I really don't have any respect for you in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, getting angry just really doesn't do a lot for your case. Um, I will normally, like I said, I, I go quiet and it is on purpose because there's a lot I want to say. And I will go quiet because like, like I said earlier, I don't want to have to go back and apologize for words. Um, and I don't want to perpetuate the argument because I feel like when you just unleash your tongue, and just say whatever's in there. It's it's not really generally in a spirit of helping the problem or solving the problem. It is more I just want to hurt you. Mm -hmm. I want to make you pain. I want you to make you feel pain because you made me feel pain. Yeah. Um. And it just perpetuates an argument, and nothing is resolved. Or you have you all say a lot of really hurtful things, resolve it eventually, and then you have a whole lot of repairing to do afterwards. So I will get pretty quiet. Um, I've said this in some of our arguments. I'm like, I, I don't agree. And I was like, but I need time to think about this. Mm -hmm. And I will go and like you, I will go like sometimes on a hike or I'll just start doing mundane housework so I can just think. Um, you always say that I'm like, if she's cleaning the house, she must be angry. <laughs> Leave her alone. If she's cleaning, just let her do her thing and do not get in the way of that freight train. Yeah. <laughs> because I really do, it takes me some time to even understand my own emotions in the heat of the moment. And, and also I'm like, most of the time, we're both wrong to some degree and most of the time we're right to some degree. And so yep. it's like finding the ownership of where I am maybe, maybe in error Yeah. and being able to own up to that and then 
being like to you, I, here's where I feel like maybe I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm like generally most of the time there's we're, you're both in error. If you're in your 30s or anywhere beyond, you got to start eliminating senescent cells in your body. These are the so-called zombie cells that make you feel old before it's time to feel old. They linger in your body after their useful function, hence their name zombie cells, wasting energy and precious nutrition and leading to so many middle-aged symptoms like low energy, brain fog, slow workout recovery, and joint discomfort. But luckily, you can nuke these senescent cells. There are a bunch of different newly discovered plant-derived ingredients that when expertly combined can help to reduce senescent cells and the folks at Neurohacker have cracked the code on putting them all together into a fantastic product called Qualia Senolytic. Qualia Senolytic. Now, this could be one of the biggest aging breakthroughs of the decade based on what we know about senescent cells. It could take years off how old you feel in just months. And you only use it twice a month. Six capsules twice a month. Super simple. I'm actually on my cycle right now. I just took six this morning. I'll take six tomorrow morning. Then I set it and forget it for a month nuking my senescent cells and feeling younger in the process. So if you're sick of feeling old before your time, try, try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, S-E-N-O, neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee, and that code Ben Seno will give you an additional 15% off at neurohacker.com forward slash Ben Seno. Hey, you want to spice things up in the bedroom and boost your sexual performance and do it naturally without nasty prescription drugs? Yeah, check out this stuff, Joy Mode. It's a powder. You put it in water, or if you're like me and you're a savage, you can dry powder into your mouth. It contains clinically supported doses of L-citrulline, arginine, yohimbine, and vitamin C. So after taking this stuff called their Sexual Performance Booster, again, by Joy Mode, your blood levels of arginine and yohimbine increase, and that directly promotes nitric oxide production, penile tissue relaxation, and increased drive. Well, the antioxidant action of vitamin C protects the nitric oxide from oxidative degradation, which then enhances the blood flow promoting activity of the nitric oxide. They thought of everything. They're super smart over at Joy Mode, and collectively, these effects enhance sex drive and blood flow naturally to the penis or to the clitoris. My wife takes it too. It's amazing. You get better orgasms, better blood flow. You can kiss nasty prescription medications goodbye and have natural guilt-free energy for boosting your sexual performance. You can get 20% off your first order from Joy Mode. How? Go to usejoymode.com slash greenfield. That's usejoymode.com slash greenfield. J-O-Y. Use joymode.com slash greenfield. They'll give you 20% off your first order. I realize there's an elephant in the room here. You might be listening and you might not have a prayer life. You might not have a religious or a spiritual practice. You might not have a relationship to God, but yet we'd be remiss not to just share yeah, the, I mean, way that, the way that the we foundation. do things because we are Christians. And I think that actually helps quite a bit when it comes to the intrinsic religiosity that some type of spiritual practice can provide mm-hmm. that allows you to have that convenience of knowing you can speak to a higher power, knowing there's a greater purpose for your life, knowing when you're down or you're afraid or you can't sleep at night, you can pray or you can read an uplifting section of you know scripture that's been inspired by the the, the breath and the mind of God. And so you know there, mm-hmm. there certainly is that. And I will acknowledge that I know not yes. everyone has that, but man, it's, yeah. a, it's a game changer. And, and so the next question was, um, 
a spiritual one. Again, how have you guys built your spiritual lives together and what practices have been the most helpful? Well, I'll, I'll address that right there. But, <laughs> but the first thing that I should say is that whenever Jess and I have conflict or an argument or we are in the process of resolution, it always culminates in both of us holding hands and holding each other and praying yeah. together. That's usually at the end. That's usually after we've gotten to the point of, oh, hey, mm -hmm. this is too much of a, 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 too much of a silly issue for us to be allowing it to come between us and destroy everything that we hold dear and everything that we've built. Be out and, of communion with each other yeah, and be out and, of communion with God. And, and, and the <laughs> bitterness and the anger and the heartache that this is going to produce. And then we come before God and we both will apologize to each other. We'll say, I'm sorry to God. We'll ask for God's forgiveness and love to cover the situation. And the reason I said this ties beautifully into the next question is, mm -hmm. even though Jess and I have one-on-one -on -one, retreats that will go on where we'll do planning and vision planning and life planning, regularly scheduled one-on-one -on -one dates that must be calendared. Uh, and, you know, family meetings, like a morning family huddle, morning family devotions, evening family song, family prayers, family dinners. We pray every single night. The last thing that we do when our heads hit the pillow. And the reason that I think that that's probably the most powerful thing that we do for our relationship. Mm -hmm. And especially as Kalise uh, asked, John Kalise asked, how have you built your spiritual lives together and what practices have been most helpful? That's the top of the totem pole. Again, back to what I think you said, Jessa, it's really hard to pray together when something's still between you. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to like come before God at the end of the day and not have set everything right between you and your spouse. So to well, me, and there's a scripture that's to that. It says, how can you hate your brother whom you've seen and, and love God whom you have not seen? It's like, so how can you hate somebody standing in front of you yeah. and, and talk to a God who yeah. you, you say you love? Yeah, the Bible is, so, se Bible is so sexist. It says brother, <laughs> but it means brother and sister. Yeah, um, brother means <laughs> Written in different cultural yeah. times. Usually yeah. if you said man, it meant men and women and brother meant brother and sister. But the idea is that if you adopt this habit of systematically praying every single night, it's just magical, the fruits that pour forth into your life and how good it feels to fall asleep, being able to bring your cares and your worries aloud verbally to God, allowing your spouse to hear that, mm -hmm. praying to God about the visions that you each have for each other's lives, praying to God about your children and your hopes and dreams and wishes for them, mm -hmm. praying to God about a move or about a family member who has health issues mm -hmm. or about yourself with health issues or whatever. A lot of times you'll find yourself like, at least this is the case for me, I'll be praying and at the same time realizing as I'm praying, oh, these are things that it's really good that Jess is aware of yeah, hearing me pour out my heart to God because it lets you hear what's on my heart. Yeah, it gives me insight into what's going on between your ears and in your heart and all those things. So it's like, yeah. it's very, um, it's very revealing. Right. And, it, and I think the key here is you're praying to a loving father who's got open arms for you. And it's like, you're resting your head in God's lap and just saying, oh God, here's, here's what's on my mind after today. And it kind of is a little bit of a sneaky way to squeeze in some of what you'll find many, you know, philosophers and great thinkers and achievers do at the end of the day. And that's self-examination mm -hmm. because when you're praying, you're often examining yourself, your motives, mm -hmm. your day. And it's almost like an end of day summary with an end of day summary with God, basically. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and just to circle back to that question, like how do you, how do we start our spiritual practice? That's just one part of our spiritual practice. But um, for me personally, I started my own practice first and it, and really saw the fruits of it and really wanted to bring that to my family. And I'm, and, and Ben similarly, like when I was praying a lot and just seeing the, the benefits of it and the, you mean by yourself yes. in the morning, by the way, by just m- you're listening like, or so, so, you know, Jess is like in the bedroom with earplugs in and her Bible and a devotional for like 40 to 60 minutes every morning, usually after we have our family devotion, sometimes yeah. before. And so she's had that practice for way longer than even we've had our praying as a couple together at the end of the day practice. Yeah. But just seeing like the, the benefit of that and actually seeing the Lord work and move and um, answer prayers. And um, I, I just was like, how, what, a, what a tremendous gift. How could I not share this with my husband, with my children? Um, and so then, you know, when Ben was, when you were struggling with like even praying or reading the Bible, I'd be like, you need to pray. You need to read the word of God. And I'm telling you, you're, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And it's going to bless you. And, you know, you started doing those practices. Yeah. And and it, am I right? You are, you, you are right. Thank you, babe. Like Jessa, Jessa really stuck with me through thick and thin. Even when I was a real stinker of a husband, she kept praying for me. She stayed committed to me. And eventually I learned what is now my big five priority. First is God and my spiritual habits. Mm-hmm. So that's first thing in the morning, devotions, prayer, Bible reading. Second is my spouse making sure that everything is right with her and she's set for the day and that anything that's come between us is that there's nothing between us. Mm-hmm. Third is the the children and the family, bringing the family together for our morning family huddle mm-hmm. and devotions where we're reading, we're praying, we're talking about the day, everything from, you know, who's making what for dinner to, you know, mm-hmm. what time's jujitsu to, you know, where's mm-hmm. everybody playing tennis to, you know, what's, what's the, uh, the book report that we're working on today. And <laughs> then of course we have our, our evening routines as well as a family, but then comes my health, my workout, taking care of my body, and then finally fifth, after God, spouse, family, and health comes mm-hmm. business, and that priority has just been yeah. a huge, I mean, you, you gotta huge put on, game changer for You gotta me. put on your life vest first. You've gotta yeah. make sure that you're spiritually sound before you start telling people how to yeah. be spiritually sound. Yeah, I and put on my life vest and my oxygen yes. mask and, and my helmet and my breastplate. Okay, any, any wrist guards <laughs> or arm? Yeah. <laughs> like anything and else? And my rollerblading shin pads. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, okay. yeah. So basically, long story short, is it's praying at the end of each day. I think that's the, that's the greatest spiritual habit that we have that keeps us yoked spiritually. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because like, Jess and I have different learning styles. Like Jess is more, you know, well, I guess you can say Jessa, like how you would describe your learning style. I'm very experiential, yeah, hands-on. Dys- dyslexic, basically. I'm dyslexic, yeah. so it's reading's very, it's it's really interesting because actually reading the Bible is not difficult for me. I'll, it's the only book I've ever found. You're the be. third dyslexic person I've <laughs> talked to who can't read any books except the Bible, and when they open the Bible, they can read it It just, just perfectly. opens up, and I don't It's crazy, it's know like why. magic, yeah. It's crazy. It's weird. Um, uh, so I am normally an audio learner or um, visual, and if I can actually touch and do, then it's very, it's solidified in my mind. Yeah. So. so we don't go through a lot of books together, Jess and I don't. We've tried, 
and usually it's usually a failure because I read like a book a day and Jess reads like a book a year, maybe a little faster for that. But I'm, I'm yeah, slow. yeah. So, anyways, we we find that uh, for us it's more like prayer, talking, dates. But we don't do a lot of like book studies and things like we that have together. Done some in the past, but we yes. have the same devotion that we go through each morning as a family. Right now, it's called New Morning Mercies. Fantastic little devotional. It is. Uh, but. Uh, we don't go through. We just have different learning styles and we've grown to accept that, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. Which kind of, uh, I think, is a good lead into some questions more about like, uh, I guess we're back to maybe a little bit narcissistic-esque type of questions. <laughs> Jessa, have Ben's biohacking extremes ever been a point of contention for the relationship or have you ever tried to talk Ben out of some kind of biohacking experiment? Um... A uh, point of contention for me is there's a lot of gadgets <laughs> and mm-hmm. and taking care of those things and sorting those things. That is probably my biggest contention point. I Can do. I paint a scene for folks? <laughs> Every day at our house, usually somewhere between six to 12 boxes of random like gadgets, gear, biohacking technologies, etc all pile up at the front door, all for me to test, put through the ringer, mm-hmm. uh, research, and then ultimately recommend or not recommend to my audience based on what I've tested. And as a result, yep. the house is one constant, like what some <laughs> might consider to be a treasure trove, what others might consider to be a trash heap of like biohacking equipment and tool and gears and light sound devices and mini trampolines that people are tripping <laughs> over. And so, yeah, there's a lot around. But have you ever ha- found me doing something that you're like, oh, this is dangerous, I need to talk him out of it? Um, not necessarily biohacking. I think the one thing that I really had like felt very convicted to um, talk to you about <laughs> which was really hard for me, and I think you know this, was um, getting the COVID vaccine. I was very, 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 very against that. And I really, really believed that God was telling me to to tell you not to do it for a lot well, of reasons. Yeah, and I, <laughs> like, I, should, I, should, I should give the background story to that. So there's a lot there was a very, <laughs> a very high-end, and quite interesting to me at least, speaking opportunity at a certain location that required me to be vaccinated to attend and to speak. Mm -hmm. And at the time, one of my go-to advisors on the topic of vaccinations was my dear friend and a multi-time podcast guest, Dr. Matthew Cook. Mm -hmm. And Matt, despite since that time saying he was pretty much just like wrong about vaccines and now sees mostly vaccine injured patients in his clinic. And he said this on my podcast instead of COVID patients. Um, You know, he had me convinced that with the proper peptide protocol, the proper detoxification protocol and the right vaccine that we could potentially get me vaccinated and mitigate a lot of the damage. And God knows, like since then, I've seen so many people have strokes and heart attacks and blood vessel damage and, you know, spike protein accumulation. Look, like we're not, we're not, it's not a newsflash for anybody that for some people that can be a very risky thing. But I remember like I was telling Jessa, hey, babe, this is gonna be fine. I'm gonna be fine. I got all the tools and the biohacks and the supplements to help me with you know, any issues. And you just kept telling me, no, 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 I got a bad feeling about this, don't do it. Well, and it didn't come from like a health perspective. I was actually very against it because to me, um, 
So the people who get vaccinated, the only ones that are going to be able to take care of it are wealthy people who can afford peptides and do all these things. And that's the, that's like the message, that's the message you're going to yeah. send to people because that's yeah. really not okay. And yeah. then I had a lot of other issues with it. I just think the whole COVID vaccine was pushed into you get this or you lose your job. You get yeah. this or we're going to shame you until you get it. You get this. I mean, to me, it was all spirit of the devil. I Thanks like, for just getting this podcast banned, babe. <laughs> so many trigger words just now. <laughs> well, it's uh, true. <laughs> but yeah, it, there, there's a lot of really good points there. Although I would say mm-hmm. vaccination is definitely a biohack. It's mm-hmm. like hacking your biology to <laughs> potentially uh, cause the immune system to produce some kind of antibody or yeah. to get the, uh, the existence say, of some kind of antibody inside of your It bloodstream. wasn't that I didn't think you could take care of it or that like it was, that was not my issue with it. Right. It was more of a moral issue. Yeah, moral issue and public facing issue. If yeah. I do it, a lot of other people who might not be able or have the knowledge to do all the things I was gonna do to mitigate the potential damage uh, would not have access to that and still go out and do it. So, yeah, yeah I would say that that's funny you bring that up because I would say that's the biggest one too that, that yes. I could think of. And I can't really think of any other experiments I've done where you were just like, even when I got stem cells injected into my dick, you were just like, hey, whatever. Ah, girls yeah. get that in their vagina. Like, well, I mean, it's happy people yeah. do it all the time. I'm like, yeah. I, and I'm not saying because people do it all the time that makes it safe and fine, but I'm like, yeah. yes. Didn't I, you get stem cells I in your have. clitoris? Yes. Was it stem cells? Do. Or, yeah, <laughs> you did. You did PRP too. And it was amazing. <laughs> See, Jess is a biohacker. And it was awesome. Yeah, she bio- Hacker package. Um, like hell, but it was great. <laughs> it did, I remember you saying it did hurt. I can only imagine. Okay. Um, so, Jessa, I imagine with all of the different supplements, machines, etc., coming to the house for Ben, speak <laughs> of the devil, it can get overwhelming. Yep. But which of the ones have you tried that have stuck with you in terms of protocols you've learned from me or my audience or the people I work with that have made your life better? I'm a very simple person. And there are a few biohacks that I do use to me. It's kind of funny because a lot of them seem very traditional, like have been done by societies since right. the dawn of time. Like, I'm like, so they're not really like, biohacks. It's just, just like, like healthy living. We just yeah. rediscovered old wisdom. Um, <laughs> so, okay, I'm an artist by, by nature and I'm a very free flowing person. And so a lot of times when I see the biohacking world and the, all of that, it's just so, there's so much rigidity and you have to do it every day. You have to do this, you know, and it's just, it's just rigid and I can't, I'm not naturally that way. So I've only hung on to a couple of things. And I I think what you're getting at is, is that a lot of biohackers tend to be control freaks who have a very rigid schedule and routine that they refuse to break, whether it be the 9 PM bedtime or the 6 AM sun gazing or the 1 PM peptide injection. And if it doesn't happen, their head, their head, their head explodes. One of the things I've said to you uh, uh, before is I'm like, well, while you're busy living forever, I'm busy living, busy trying to live forever, (laughs) spending all of the years that you're getting added to your life. Uh, getting years added to your life. Yeah, and yeah. and so, um, so some of the ones that I have hung on to is I love to sauna. I do a lot of hot yoga just for the same reasons. I like the detoxification. Um, I like the infrared supplements. Um, I will take supplements if I understand why I'm taking them. And what that, are, that requires key, somebody to explain that to me. What are the supplements that are just like hell yeses in your protocol right now? Um, uh, definitely uh, minerals. Um, 
but I've even since then I've had to learn exactly what my dosage looks like because I don't think it looks like everybody else's. Um, and you use more transdermal than oral, right? Yes, because yeah. they gives me a lot of stomach. Like transdermal upset. magnesium. Um, so I like once I understood why we're taking minerals, especially as a slight thin woman who has a mom with osteoporosis and a lot of other things. I'm like minerals have and trace minerals have become really important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and then let's see here. What's another one? Like, what about hormones? I'm just busting into that world. And uh -huh. it's are there any that make you feel really good? Um, I started taking a little testosterone and I like the like mental clarity that comes with that. You know, everyone said that you're going to feel a boost in physical, but I've never really lacked mm -hmm. in that. And that's like you use like, a, is that the, uh, the, like a cream? It's a cream. And that was because of your, what you said to me, because when you get the injection, you get like a jump yeah, in yeah, estrogen. Big, big, big bolus and a big conversion to estrogen. Same in men. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, well, I definitely don't want that. I've tried to avoid that. Um, so yeah, hormones, but that's new. And what about progesterone and DHEA? No, progesterone's one I'm trying to figure out because for me, and I, it's, nobody's been able to explain this one to me yet. I think we'll find something, but I get crazy UTIs if I take progesterone. Yeah. Yeah, and that's pretty I, common. It depends on the. We're looking it? at a new, We're looking at one called Simply Progesterone right now, which Dr. Mercola uses and recommends, instead of a few others. But then, of course, there's trans. I use transdermal progesterone when I'm really anxious at night and I need a release of gamma. I, it's a gamma aminobutyric acid inhibitory neurotransmitter precursor, and transdermal progesterone for anxious men or children or women can be good. Yeah. Uh, and you do. A but I've done that, transdermal, right? and certain brands have given me UTIs. I've done the oral and those are giving me UTIs. The only ones that haven't are bioidentical ones. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really the only one that, yeah. I, and I have to take a pretty small amount. And do you follow any type of specific diet? No. She's not kidding. <laughs> There's a girl who will eat like lettuce and ketchup one day as her only food and like a ribeye steak the next day. And then, I don't know, like, uh, you know, uh, you don't really do a lot of the smoothies and the supplements, but yeah, she does not follow diet, you guys, at all. It's it's yeah, interesting. It's interesting how different we are in terms of our approach to systematic supplementation diet. Jess is very loosey-goosey. I think I've talked about this before on a podcast, kind of like the shoemaker's wife wears no shoes, and I'm pretty dialed in, but Jess is, I would say my optics are that you're doing more testing and you're getting things more dialed in as you age. Yeah, yeah, I am, and it's just, and I... Well, I mean, I saw my mom go through menopause and she turned into a psycho. <laughs> and I remember Hi, I remember that moment. I was like, I have to figure this crap out before it happens to me because I was it was so awful. Yeah. And it affected everybody. And I was like, I don't want my family to feel like they have to walk on eggshells yeah. and go through 10 years of hot flashes. And, you know, I was just like it just it looked terrible it was terrible yeah <laughs> and yeah. i love my mom everybody it's just you know do you sleep <laughs> in the same bed do you sleep in the same bed and how does that affect your sleep quality well yes. first of all yes we sleep <laughs> in an amazing bed I, I was actually getting guilty when i interviewed uh, uh katie bowman who bragged about how her and her husband just 
stretch out some sheepskins on the floor and sleep on the hard floor. Ugh. I know, what I think the liver, that? isn't the liver king who sleeps on like wooden slats? I don't care. I get the idea of making <laughs> like, your body hard, but gosh, I like a nice soft plush bed. So we, we, we use an IntelliBed. I'm, why did I say IntelliBed? Yeah. No, we used to use an IntelliBed. We yeah. use the Essentia now. I don't know why I just had a brain fart. Sorry, mm -hmm. Essentia. We use the Essentia because it has like the built-in cooling technology and the EMF blocking technology and it doesn't it's have soft. a bunch of Wi-Fi on it like well, an eight sleep or whatever. So yeah. we do sleep in the same bed. How do you feel about that? I'm, honey, I'm going to be real honest with you. I sleep better sometimes when you're not in the bed. <laughs> and I sleep horrifically when I'm not sleeping in the bed. I have a sleeping style that basically involves me draping my entire body over Jessa yeah. and then drifting away to sleep with like this is my cry a, leg, hell, people. a leg pretzeled around her. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I'm really okay with that, like starting out, but you know, it's funny because sometimes I feel like I'm so mean to you in the middle of the night, but you're so asleep. Yeah. You don't even I'll remember I'll wake up it. when she's hitting me or punching me and then just <laughs> gently like... fall back asleep. But you know, for example, we had the chili pad for a while, which allows for you to customize the sleep temperature on either partner's side. That kind of broke and the company started to go out of business. So then we switched to something called the bed jet, which we're experimenting with now, which uses like cooled mm. air, like an air conditioning unit for the bed but seems to make the entire bed really cold. Freezing. <laughs> uh, so we're still trying to dial in the, the best way to use that. Uh, in addition, I sometimes will use a gravity blanket on me. That's not on Jessa. Um, but ultimately, I think that if you look at data, this is interesting, on sleep, the number one reason that people have fitful sleep is because their partner has fitful sleep or their partner is bothering them during sleep. Mm -hmm. However, I also feel like the snuggling, mm -hmm. the pillow talk, mm -hmm. the praying, the need to not switch beds after valuable. you've done all of that, waking up in the morning and having that snuggle, to me, I will gladly trade poor sleep or at least slightly poorer sleep the rest of my life to be able to sleep in the same bed with, with my that. wife. <laughs> I would definitely yeah. agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how about this? We got some organizational questions. Okay. So I've looked at your schedules. <laughs> how do you manage to fit it all in? Well, I don't know how you've seen my schedule because I've never put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> would, um, it, would it be fair to say that I tend to be a little bit more organized oh, with my schedule than you? Well, yeah, I think we already talked about that in the biohacking stuff. I'm like, you have to be. I am not that person, so I, I, I choose not to. I opt out to some of it. <laughs> I have shared my own organizational system with Jessa, and then I just let her do her own thing. So what I mean by that is that I have uh, notes, the iOS notes, synced across all of my devices, and I use that as my dream catcher to keep a clear head. So anytime anything comes into my head, call this person, get this item, shop for this, ask this person a podcast question. I write it down in there and then three times per day, breakfast, lunch, and before dinner, I transfer anything in there onto my actual calendar. I use something called BusyCal. Organize it, structure it, make sure everything that's randomly come into my head during the day is transferred from notes straight into a calendaring system. And then everything's in front of me. And on Sunday evenings, I sit down, I look at my entire schedule and I map out everything from the workouts to making sure I know which podcast guest is when to, uh, you know, if I have any other appointments, I lay it all out and I do a, like a deep dive 
for about 10 to 15 minutes every Sunday so I know almost by heart that week's schedule. And it's pretty rigorous, it's pretty scheduled, much to the chagrin of anybody who asked me if I can hop on a last minute phone call and tell them I got one eight weeks from now. But I am, I am pretty yeah. dialed in and that's the only way I get done, everything I get done is I protect my time very wisely and almost everything has to be scheduled and has to be categorized. And I keep that notes document so I always have a clear head. Yeah, and I'm, for me, like a lot of my stuff is like, okay, you have to have two hours of some kind of physical activity in the day and maybe an hour of some kind of creativity. And these are the supplements that I have to, because I know myself, since I'm a very fluid person, I will not do it or sometimes we'll forget it like my vitamins i have to every sunday i get out my little granny pill thing mm, i've seen that and i've spilled the whole thing on the floor a few times yeah i know <laughs> i know and then i was all messed up and then i i so i every sunday i fill that thing out to make sure that i have everything dosed out for the week and um otherwise i won't do it um and it has to be in a certain place and i have to do it first thing in the morning or i'll never do it um, so I, like, I think even though like being fluid is really, has its strengths, it has its weaknesses as well. And I have to have a little bit of structure. It's loose structure, but it's there. <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess one thing that I'll share is like, I hack my environment, meaning that I have a certain place in the house. I do certain things like guitars at the end of the dining room table, podcasts are in the office, devotions are in the Zen den. I hack my systems, meaning everything from the 10 minute guitar lesson a day to the exact same devotional every single morning to the same prayer every day to all of these different habits that I engage in. There's a system behind every one from the workouts to the spiritual practices to the requirement to read two chapters from a book each night before I go to bed, etc. So I hack my environment, I hack my system, and the final thing I hack is my purpose or my why. Meaning like anything I'm doing, I have to ask myself why. Why am I interviewing this podcast guest? What is the purpose of this? Why am I practicing my guitar? What is the purpose of this? Why am I reading my book? What is the purpose of this book? And by deeply knowing my purpose and why, having a certain environment in which certain activities take place, and then having a system, meaning knowing what you're going to do when you walk into the gym, when you pick up the guitar, when you pick up the book, when you make the podcast microphone hot, you are able to accomplish a lot. So those are three things that I do that I think are helpful. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. great. That's a lot. I don't, I have, like I said, mine's very yeah. loose. Oh, you're, you're type B. I'm, I'm type <laughs> exactly. A, I'm like, now, what about, I've here's a better answer for people. This but. might be the last question we have a chance for, but someone says, how do you contribute to your marriage considered as an economic partnership because you're self-employed? How do you divide up the economics or the bookkeeping in your personal or business lives? Yeah, I don't fully understand that question. So you're going to have to explain that one to me. <sighs> What's your involvement with our money and our bank? I spend it. No, <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> you do the eyebrow thing. I don't understand. <laughs> um, I, I guess, I mean, in a lot of ways, I take what you bring in and I turn it into something physical and beautiful, like our home, like our food, like the clothes we wear, like everything. Do you do any bookkeeping? No. Do you do we any have a, checkbook balancing? We have, uh, no. Well, no. No, 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 no. She doesn't do anything, you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, I have always been the person who dialogues with and 
has conversations with and organizes the conversation between our accountant, our wealth management team, shout out to way Too wealth who manages our finances and our family bank and our life insurance policies, uh, my CFO, Joe, at Ben Greenfield Life, uh, and any other financial discussions that take place with my supplements company, our supplements company, Keon, uh, with the fried pickle gaming company that my sons and I have now. I, because I tend to be a little bit more organized and scheduled, uh, as we've already established, usually have the optics on that. And then Jess and I just have really clear communication. So every month, at the end of the month, I sit down and I go through all of our books, all of our spreadsheets, all of our expenses and our income. And then it's on an Excel spreadsheet and I will tag Jess if I have comments. I'll be like, what's this $472 expense at the gas station or whatever, like something that- It's filling up that, our diesel yeah, truck yeah, these days. Yeah, so, <laughs> something that I need insight on. But Jess is right, like she specializes in taking my work and taking what I bring in as far as money and turning that around and like, making the home beautiful and inspiring and comfortable place to be and going and just, out and engaging in hospitality and ministry and you know making sure that the right food is in the house and she dialogues a lot with like our yard people and our uh, house manager and so she's kind of like boots on the ground household manager but i do a lot of the financial management yeah and i mean to be really honest with you i grew up in an extremely frugal home and I, that's never going to differ like I will go to the reservation to buy the cheap gas I will yeah. make things like we we do not I'm, live I'm a very an, an ostentatious life so as a matter of fact you know so probably no surprise like you know I've I've built up a little bit of like a, we're not like filthy rich, but I've built up like a fitness empire. I've got a supplements company, you know, I've written some books. And so we have what I would consider to be a good income, but we like drive all of our cars into the ground for like 20 years, barely spend any money on fancy clothing, uh, (laughs) eat as inexpensively as possible, all real whole natural food and rarely like we'll eat processed foods. The thing we spend the most money on is once in a while we go out to a nice restaurant and we enjoy good food. Yeah. We, when we travel, I learned this from another financial manager named Garrett Gunderson, don't like save up and go on vacation. And while you're on vacation, be like, well, we spent all our money on the plane ticket in the hotel. So now we're just going to sit in our hotel room and eat cheap food on vacation. Like splurge when you're on vacation, actually enjoy it because those are experiences yeah. you'll never forget. And so uh, restaurants and when we're traveling, like going out and doing a few things that probably cost more than what we do if we were at home, Absolutely. which I think is acceptable. And then mm-hmm. finally, our home. We mm-hmm. like to have a home in which we can entertain people, bring people in for big dinners, um, yeah. be hospitable. And we use our home as a place of ministry. So even this new home we're building yes. in Idaho, like it's the most expensive thing I've ever bought in my life. <laughs> but at the same time, that is going to be an icon passed down through the Greenfield family for generations that is used for ministry, for hospitality, for fork to farm dinners or farm to fork dinners, for, you know, <laughs> being with the to. family, for, you know, for taking care of our parents. So, yeah, I am a fan of spending money on experiences, on restaurants and on your home. And those would be probably the areas where we splurge if we splurge on anything. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, uh, we sailed through most of these questions. 
you know, if you guys like this, you, you can get the show notes at bengreenfieldlife.com slash benjessa2023. Uh, we just decided we'd go on a walk and answer all these questions for you. And if you like this style of format and you like to hear from Jessa, pop into the comments. Let us know. bengreenfieldlife.com slash benjessa2023. And we will uh, we'll answer your questions and comments, and we read them all. And uh, it's just fun to be able to hop on with you, babe, and do a podcast it with my best friend fun. and my lover. Yeah. Give me a kiss. Mwah, that was a hot <laughs> microphone kiss. All right, you guys, thanks for listening in. Till next time, I'm Ben Greenfield. Just that Greenfield. Signing out from Ben Greenfield. <laughs> well, we did that like we were pros. <laughs> BenGreenfieldLife.com. Have an amazing week. Well, this is pretty cool. Just put the finishing touches on a luxury VIP retreat in the Swiss mountains. So you may have seen a little bit of rumblings about this on social media, but the beautiful Six Senses retreat, all-inclusive luxury locale in beautiful Crans, Montana, Switzerland, has graciously allowed me to bring a maximum of up to 10 folks, and this could be individuals, couples, families into a transformative experience there where I'm going to lead breath work, hikes, workouts. You'll get hands-on foraging adventures with nature's freshest ingredients in their cooking class locale there. You're going to get a chance to do amazing spa treatments, a meticulously curated program. You'll get to meet my wife and my sons who will be there. Again, families are welcome. You can bring one or two or three kids. You can make it a couple's retreat. If you want to go solo, you can. There's a limited number of rooms where we're prioritizing couples and families. But again, if you want to get in, this thing is coming up around the corner, April 17th through the 21st, 2024. So it will be all-inclusive. You'll want to fly into Geneva, Switzerland, assuming you want to get into the closest airport. I've already got our flights. Uh, you'll want to mic your calendar for April 17th through the 21st. And here's how to get in. You go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses 24. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses 24. And again, it's going to be incredible all the way down to like evening sing-alongs and stargazing and yoga and meditation. And again, the spa there is incredible. Six Senses is known for having incredible retreats around the world, but this one in Switzerland is supposed to be one of the best. I can't wait. I led a retreat in Portugal last year and people just said it was the most amazing experience of their lives. This one will be just as good, if not better. So go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses. 24, and you can get in on this retreat that's coming up right around the corner, April 17th through the 21st. I hope to see you there. Want free access to comprehensive show notes, my weekly roundup, cutting edge research and articles, my top recommendations for everything that you need to hack your life, and much more? Visit bengreenfieldlife.com. In compliance with the FTC guidelines, please assume the following about links and posts on this site. Most of the links going to products are often affiliate links, of which I receive a small commission from sales of certain items. But the price is the same for you, and sometimes I even get to share a unique and somewhat significant discount with you. In some cases, I might also be an investor in a company I mention. I'm the founder, for example, of Keon LLC, the makers of Keon branded supplements and products, which I talk about quite a bit. Regardless of the relationship, 
of if I post or talk about an affiliate link to a product, it is indeed something I personally use, support, and with full authenticity and transparency, recommend in good conscience. I personally vet each and every product that I talk about. My first priority is providing valuable information and resources to you that help you positively optimize your mind, body, and spirit. And I'll only ever link to products or resources, affiliate or otherwise, that fit within this purpose. So there's your fancy legal disclaimer.